welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, we grow in relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. This segment will be studying the book of Acts, where our risen Christ is made manifest in the early church. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday. We study through Acts to read some of the context so that you can get the very full narrative. All that we have been doing is, is walking through chapter by chapter and, and trying to, to build for us an overarching view to pull out a point of emphasis uh, in order to guide you through that text to see the way Christ is made manifest in the early church. Um, but there's so much more in there that we're, we're just not touching on. I'm counting on you as Christians to be reading your Bibles. Um, and so this morning, it's difficult because we're, we're really reading of uh, a, a larger event. This is the shipwreck that uh, Paul endures. He's incarcerated and he's moving between checkpoints as he progresses to the highest Roman courts uh, following his allegations against him. And uh, he has petitioned Caesar, and to Caesar is where he's going. And uh, they suffer hardship in this shipwreck. And we're going to try to encapsulate most of that. But So it's going to be a little different for us because what I'm going to do, instead of front-loading our time in Scripture, I'm going to wait and just take these portions of Scripture with each point of the message this morning. And so I'll read those as we get to them. Nevertheless, in this first portion, I think we find the central passage uh, that all what follows in this chapter is going to be explaining, and that comes to us in verse 24, uh, which simply reads, again, as the words of the risen Lord to Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. That's what's going on. That is a central passage, uh, if you must have one, of our sermon. So I'm going to begin in reading verses 21 through 26 as we start to look at this real historical event and we begin to learn something of salvation and suffering loss, namely in this first portion, that God's purpose will not be thwarted. And so I welcome you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word, Acts 27, beginning in verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given, uh, hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. 
how might we must cast upon a certain island. Lord, we're, we're coming to You this morning and we just become aware of a number of circumstances in which we might uh, view an element of our life Uh, or of our age, or of our society as approaching shipwreck. Father, Your Word brings before us both suffering and salvation this morning. Lord, we pray that You would reveal some of your will to us as we walk through your word. Father, that we would hear you speak this morning. That you would be glorified even amid our suffering. God, that you would increase our faith. Lord, that each one here would be more eternally minded. <coughs> That we would not lose sight of the hope that you've already given. And Lord, of the, of the promise that you have yet to fulfill. So God, I pray that you walk with us through your scripture. Lord, that we would hear you speak in your word. Lord, that souls would be saved by a message such as this as we take this word to our families, to our children, to our spouse, to our friends and community members. That the saints here uh, would be sharpened and made able to spread this good news this week. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You all may be seated. So salvation and suffering loss. This is quite a, a task. Uh, as we were reminded even in Sunday school, it's true that all of Scripture is God-breathed. Every word of this is important and is pertinent to us. There is a reason that these events happened in the life of Paul. There's a reason they've been recorded the way that Luke has recorded them in Acts. And so we have such the complex set of events to have promised salvation in light of promised suffering. Our first point is that God's purpose will not be thwarted. For us who've been here each week, we've seen a process of events where Paul has been uh, ostracized by his brothers, his Jewish community, and they've sought to put him to death already. And he's petitioned the Roman courts for the purpose of the promise God has given him that he would appear before the Gentiles. 
And so there's a, a whole process of events that's been going on here. Now Paul having some general wisdom, if, if you had already read this, uh, this chapter or been reading along with us, you would have seen Paul caution them, said, hey boys, it ain't the time. Probably shouldn't be setting sail. I don't think this is a good idea. And sure enough, the ship is caught by the northeastern wind. We know that. We know when a wind comes from the north. Or well, for us, it's the south a lot of times, isn't it? Do I have this right? No, we got the north wind. Boy, it's a bad storm. But here on the Mediterranean, they encounter this northeastern wind, catches them broadside. They can't turn the ship around to face it. And the whole crew is put in dismay. But God's purpose is not going to be thwarted. God has given Paul a promise. And he has something. He, doesn't, he hasn't just promised Paul, uh, look, no, man, you're, you're saved. You're born again. I met you on the road to Damascus. No evil is allowed to befall you. That has nothing to do with anything in this text. What we hear from the risen Lord, remember that special title, the angel of God, the angel of the Lord. And if you have any doubt, this is speaking of the risen Christ. Paul says, the one to whom I belong, whose I am, the one whom I serve. He's talking about Jesus Christ. This is the one who met him that night. And he tells him the reason that he'll be spared. You must. You must be brought before Caesar. I've got a purpose and no, there's no way that you're getting out of it. We were reminded just this week at, at Brother Dwayne's funeral. We called to memory at the graveside, that passage from Paul also in Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God or the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it's written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep before the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that passage speaks explicitly of, of salvation and identity in Christ, but that is not separated from the ministry of the Word. There's no one that's going to prevent this Word from being preached. Amen. It won't happen. The promise to Abraham was given to the nations, and now is the point where the Jews have seen, we've seen the rejection from the Jews this message will go to the Gentiles and you're not going to stop it. Amen. 
Nothing in all of heaven or hell can come against this ship who carries the man who will present this message. God's purpose will not be thwarted. So that should give us a level of assurance, a level of hope. There is a weightiness that comes with that. We've talked before how set God is on accomplishing this, this will of His. How set He is in His purpose of sending His gospel. The reason He's waited this long that Christians would fill this small area and worship Him. The way that He was bent on making this good news known to us. It also lays upon us the obligation to preach. Paul knows the purpose for which he's spared. And so he doesn't avoid it. He almost speaks as if he knows he's going to make it. I'm not sure about all you other guys, but I already know God's purpose and God's calling on my life. He's abandoned all else. We've already talked about that in previous messages. So friend, you might think about that just before we move, move on too quickly. Your failure to preach in your homes, to your families, your failure to read God's Word in your home uh, out loud, is only prolonging misery. We pray for our children to be saved. If your children are going to be saved, if God is going to send His gospel to them and bring them from death to life, it's not going to happen in the absence of His message being preached to them. Get over your stubborn self and do what you've been called to do. lest He bring shipwreck of your home. God's purpose will not be thwarted. And yet, there is a threat of loss. We already know that from this text. We know Paul said, hey, you should have listened to me so that you didn't suffer loss, or even of life the harm and loss even to the people, but the promise was that these men's life will be spared. Even Paul himself thought not everyone's going to make it out alive prior to Christ meeting with him. So there's great fear of loss. Let's read as Luke explains the situation to us in verse 27. He continues, but when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and they found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. 
And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that you've tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you, take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when they had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all of good cheer, and they, all, they also took some meat. And when we were all in the ship, 203 score and 17 souls, and when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out all the wheat into the sea. Now before we go too far, we're looking at suffering, but there's an element that I think needs to be discussed. Not just that the Christians should not worry about the suffering, but they should not fear suffering. Now, I don't want to talk about the suffering in and of itself just yet. I want to talk about the fear of suffering. These men knew what it was going to take. They were driven to and fro by the wind. They didn't know where they were at. They just knew they figured on landfall up here. The goal of anyone who's going to try to brave the storm, see who can make it out. You drop the anchors, you weigh the ship, you hold her low, you know, withdraw your sails, um, or draw up the sails, however you want to say. And they're going to hold her out from shore. They're going to lower the boats, take the boats into safety if they can, and return to whatever's left of their ship for what repairs might be made. In this case, we're told these men following, we know they left. There was, a, you know, the time of Passover. They've been in fasting and now they've been at sea and they're extremely weary. They've gone two weeks without food at this point. They're pretty weary fighting this sort of a battle. So they don't think they're going to make it out alive as it is. They're listening to this guy who says he's speaking of the Lord. But there's a transition that occurs. They move from an, a certainty, a certain fear of, of loss on, on what will be lost altogether and something opposite occurs whenever Paul assures them of the word of the Lord. And he tells them all this that's happening. He says, listen, not one, one head of your hair is going to be spared. Now listen, they already know they're going to be stranded on an island. And what happens? Think of the implications. They cut the boats off. Lord knows where they ended up in the middle of the Mediterranean. In this storm, they take the meat, they nourish themselves, which is good, they're strengthened. 
But what food supply will be left for them who has to survive on, sh on shore? And now they know and have a, a whole new prospect. Now they're taking way off of the ship. They're not trying to preserve the ship. It's cut free. They lighten the load so that they can more better be, be driven by the wind and run her aground. Now they're going to wreck the only ship that they have to leave there. So it's a complete change. There's a great fear of loss to now a certainty of loss. So we think about all of that and I just want you to, to think of all of the things that really the loss has not even been incurred but the fear of it has been enough to drive our decisions. Fear is a great motivator. A lot of politicians know this. A lot of war admirals know this. You see this, it is something that will paralyze a child from going into a dark room. They'll be hurt or, or, or have accident or any other thing. They're paralyzed by it. It's because fear is a great motivator. Fear will start grown men. It'll, it'll keep grown men from making wise business decisions. We make all sorts of decisions based off of fear and no actual loss. The past couple of years has been testimony to that. Right now, in our day, I find it ironic that it is because of fear that we are asked to give up firearms to, as a common citizen but now, in the past few days, it's because of fear that we're encouraging common citizens in Ukraine to have firearms. It doesn't matter. All I'm saying is fear is a great motivator. It's driven people out of churches. Our church, frankly, hasn't suffered greatly because of that, but there are a lot of churches in our area that have, that are empty on account of fear. And I think that we could say that much of what is going on, and even as, as, as a church we have studied and even watched some of the downgrade in our day among evangelicals, Because they are driven by a fear of man rather than a fear of God. But no doubt, fear is a great motivator. Paul fears God. Listen, you jump off that. He's given me this ship. 
He's given this to me. You jump off, you're dead men. And I don't know about you guys who've, who've participated with them. He's a fear of the Lord. Because you can't think, you can't make me think that the reason, the issue that the church has had in recent days has anything to do with an allure of worldly philosophies. They're just not that alluring. Or that it has had something to do with such great statuses because they're still nobodies if you're a preacher. The problem is that they don't fear God. So fear is a motivator, whether for good or for bad. And yet here we're, we're moved away from a fear of loss, of great detriment. We've lost, we, we've lost the boats. We've thrown off, we've thrown off all our food. We've eaten, we're, we're, we're nourished after two weeks. So we're strengthened by that, or not we, but, but these men are strengthened by this. And they throw all the rest of the supplies. The so Lord knows what they're going to do once they're on the island. They've got a winter there. So some of you survivalists in our congregation think of that. And they're going to run their only ship aground. There's a certainty of loss. So Christian, whenever I say that you should not fear loss does not mean that you shouldn't be certain of loss. It means as the Word tells us, you haven't been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of sound mind. As the Word tells us. In our case, I think we can be certain of loss. Let's just continue. When it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded if it were possible uh, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea. And they loosed the rudder bands and they hoisted up the main sail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Some on broken planks. Portions of ship that was being broken up behind them by violent waves. They make it safely into land. That's ironic, isn't it? I can just tell you from the industry, safety has gone crazy 
in industry. I mean, it is, you can do anything as long as you can attach safety to it. Doesn't matter what it costs, doesn't matter how productive it is, just call it safety. You can do anything. We no longer teach our children not to touch hot things. We make them walk around with oven mitts all the daggone time and let them play with hot stuff all the time. And yet, the war, Luke tells us these men were brought safely to shore. Where did they get the plank? Did, they, did the person who couldn't swim jump in the water first? Or did they grab a board, break it? I mean, I don't know. Did they break it off or, or ride it down as it buckled under the waves? I don't know. But they, they were brought safely under shore. Maybe we need to think about our definition of safety what it looks like to be safe in the care of God's hands. I don't know. The Christian is saved despite great loss because as we've already said, there will certainly be great loss. They've made certain of it. They were intentional in running the ship aground. And the ship obviously didn't survive, didn't survive the wreckage. But let's draw this together and try to provide, provide somewhat of a context. And I don't want to jump too far ahead in our study. We'll, we'll go into some of this more in detail, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. But here we have Paul, certain of his calling. We've got men, pagan men, who are forced to trust in a word from a God they do not know. We've got certain shipwreck and yet a, a worldly, a, I think we can still say salvation in the sense that all their lives were spared. 276 of them were told. Or at least crew members or um, I think that's all of them counting the prisoners. They've curved from, from killing the men because we've already talked about it in the past the fear that these soldiers themselves would be killed by the Roman guard if they had lost the prisoners. That was the pattern. All of this goes on. And, but understand that statement. This is the promise. God, you will go before Caesar. And God's given you all that are on the ship with you. Not a hair from any of their heads. They'll all be saved. And now we get the fulfillment, the immediate fulfillment there. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Now here's the safety. Now they're stranded on an island, forced to, to winter there. There's indeed some time, whether they wait. And I haven't gone into all the details of study that I think would, in the end, be left largely to speculation anyway. Safely to land for Paul means that he has had to swim. under lightning and treacherous waves and pieces of debris flying through the air and floating by. Safety to Paul means if he makes it to shore, which he trusts God, so he inevitably does, he remains a prisoner. He's still incarcerated. He's still in chains. 
Safety for Paul means he still be, will be brought before Caesar so that he might be eventually put to death. That's what safely to shore entails. Christian, I think that whenever we look at this and we see the shipwreck that, that, that Paul has endured, I, I often wonder what it is that we expect of God as Christians. How selfish we are in our prayer times. How short-sighted that we are in our prayer times. Paul didn't even heap up his own prayers during the shipwreck. He said, the Lord's appointed. I don't know how this is going to play out. The Lord's appointed me to do a thing. I trust him. But boy, you guys have made a stupid decision. More and more, I, I ask that, and we, as we sit in our prayer meetings, and we literally we walk through the prayer lists, and, and we want to pour out our heart, and we want to lift these people up. But I don't even know how to pray for some of these anymore. We have so many Christians making stupid decisions. We have so many Christians who who they'll ask for all the prayers in the world, but God forbid they are just obedient to His Word. How do you pray for that? Sometimes I think we need to remember our calling. We need to remember the purpose for which God sustains us. We need to remember and have His Word on our lips so that when we as Christians find our bellies empty, when we find our stores depleted, when we find our provision for success annihilated, when we find ourselves in treacherous water, when we find our safe abode dashed to pieces, when we find ourselves imprisoned and enchained, when we face death, we still have joy and purpose in speaking the Word of God. Amen. The past year we've talked about ministering to your families in your own homes, worshiping daily, spreading the Word, reading the Word, studying the Word. Let us help you to equip you uh, on Sunday nights so that you might preach to this one in your workplace. You act as if you have a choice, as if this is an, a Christian option that you get to choose. And as I said just this morning, you don't get to say uh, of, of raising your children in the love and admonition of the Lord and, and giving them a Christian education the way that our covenant provides, the Baptist faith and message provides, and the confessions of old provide, that's not an option. You had kids, didn't you? It's not your choice. 
Well, it's just, you know, that's not my ministry. I, I, I serve at a food bank one time a month. What about the place that you spend 12 or, you know, 10 or 12 hours a day in? You know, that, that's not my mission. I just do what they want because, you know, I'm serving over here. I'm in a soup kitchen. You don't have a choice. No, that is your ministry. God's put you here 10 hours a day. Why do you not preach his gospel? It is a godless factory I work in. Let's just, come, let's just call it like it is. It is a godless school system that you serve in. It's a godless society that we live in. Our families are full of godless relatives. And do you not preach? You don't get that choice. Your day goes by and you are where you are. Why do you not preach? Paul's preaching to dying men. And then God blesses them. What do you think those men ought to take? What do you think his conversation was once they met Seaside and waited on morning? I bet you Paul only had a few things to say. Let me tell you what else the word of the Lord has given me. Let me tell you what else this angel of the Lord, this Christ has said. Christian, we need a theology of suffering like we need a theology of salvation. As we pray, we prayed this way. As we prayed for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, we prayed, Lord, be with our Christian brothers. Show them grace. What did we find? What did we hear through the grapevines? How many Christians elected to stay in the city? They refused to hide and protect themselves. We're going to preach the gospel. And we're going to die for it. Praise God. Right now, we pray for our, our brothers and sisters who are in the Ukraine and who, who are in Russia. And don't fool yourselves, they're all Russians and those churches got congregants from both sides. Let's pray the gospel's ministered. And sadly, we think That it's us who needs to pray for them. We need people praying for us because we have, we have men who aren't washing their wives in the water with the word. We have parents who are not raising their children in the love and admonition of the Lord and they call themselves Christians. We need prayer. And if ever there was a time that the angel of the Lord has spoken, it is today, it is this morning that he has said, I've commissioned you to speak. And I have some that I will say. So friends, as we preach, forget your worldly goods. Forget your, your house, the high cost of inflation, 
or oppressive tax burdens or of freedom. What I want to warn you this morning is it is quite possible you will lose all of it. That all of it hangs in the balance every day. Whenever you lose it all, will you also lose your faith? If you will, you need to come to the Lord. And if you won't, you need to preach His gospel now. Father, we come to You and we thank You that You have preserved men such as Paul, men such as Luke who would faithfully record this message, this narrative for us. Men who would faithfully rise up and preach an unfiltered gospel to a dying world. Men who would valiantly protect their homes and nurture their wives and their children. Lord, I believe You're doing it. I believe You're doing it in this congregation. And so, Father, we look to You. We look to You when so many things look to us like a shipwreck. Father, we ask that You fulfill Your Word, but Lord, that You would bring us before the highest course that we may preach Your name and die. God, for this we need your help. We need your Son to dwell with us in his fullest presence. We need you to open our eyes to this living word from which we've read this morning. We need your Spirit to, to indwell us and be fully manifest that we might speak your living and active and sharp word. Father, that we might enter into the battle to which you've called us. By which you lead the way. Father, I pray that you ready us to endure great suffering. As you sustain our joy and salvation. Father, we pray for our friends, our family, and our brothers and sisters who are suffering. That, Lord, that you would instill in them a joy that cannot be thwarted by life, nor death, nor angels, or powers, or principalities. And God, we pray at the end of all of these things that every person in the sound of my voice, everyone, Lord, that, that knows you, God, we pray that their life would be spent for a purpose. That they would be spent for your glory. Father, I pray for each of us that you guard our hearts from temptation, from material gain, from a fear of men, from a satisfaction in worldly status, 
from the vanity of worldly thought and philosophy. And Lord, that we would be steadfast in this word we've heard this morning. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, grow in relationships, and grow in Jesus Christ. Subscribe so you don't miss a single sermon, and come and grow with us.